Commanders, and welcome to episode 57 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Grant Psychokow Wolcott, has me left out of the sin bin finally to be able to fly this ship on my own again. And uh, joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode are not currently operating on a potential new crew member, Lave Station's Chief of Operations, John Stabler. Good evening. And with an unhealthy attraction to the elderly, Lave Station's chief archivist, Colin Ford. I don't believe you. I really don't believe you. <laughs> and owner of a record amount of speed docking speeding tickets, Lave Test Pilot, John Karash Virgo. Good evening, John. Greetings, Commandos. And if you wish, if you're listening, if you wish you can join us live, we are hanging out at Lave Station Endgame right now. Just join the private group Fozza, and you should see us if you're lucky enough to fill one of those instant slots. And also in the IRC chat channel, hashtag Lave-Radio on QuakeNet, that you can access through from the Lave Radio page. Or you can tweet us on at Lave Radio with questions, and we'll try to answer them towards the end of the show. However, we have got a ton of stuff to get on with tonight. We've got a load of interesting things that I am going to make up as we go along. <laughs> but first, we are going to go over and have a wee quick chat with John regarding some other games that aren't Elite Dangerous. Yeah, it's kind of like the football scores. You know, if you don't want to know, look away now. Or, you know, if you're not interested, um, you know, look away now. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, the, the first thing I wanted to uh, uh, talk about was that there was a, a Chaos Reborn update today on Steam. Uh, we've mentioned it plenty on uh, the Live Radio podcast in the past, and we even did an interview with Julian Gollop, the, the creator of the original Chaos and, and the guy who's uh, developing this new version. And it's on, on sale on Steam today, 25% off, I believe. So if you're into kind of turn-based strategy uh, and, you know, something kind of like a throwback from the 80s and the 90s? Oh, crap, I can't remember. No, the 80s. Uh, you know, sp- classic Spectrum game. Um, then definitely go check it out. It's, it's, it's a great uh, kind of like turn-based arena game. Um, it and is, also it's pretty I, fun because I don't think I've actually had the misfortune of being beaten by you yet. I think Alan's killed me a number of times. Yeah, well, I think we've all been quite busy and, and we, you know, we've taken a bit of a break from it because obviously Elite got released, so we've been playing that instead. But um, uh, I had a quick, I, I dropped into it quickly today after the update and, um, you know, it's come on leaps and bounds from, you know, that original prototype they had during the Kickstarter and it's 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 made for a really interesting game. So now you've got things like you've got, um, uh, you can customise your staff and your and your you know your robe and you can kind of set up your wizard to focus on things like you know attack and defense and it's um it's a really it's added that kind of extra dimension to it and the one thing i did notice was there's now a kind of a shop so as you win um, ranked games you get gold well i think you get gold if you lose as well but not quite as much Um, and then you can go and spend that gold on you know all this new gear Uh, and apparently there's a lot of it so, um, you know, they're already um, creating some exciting possibilities with it. Still waiting on that kind of co-op RPG element, but I've got a feeling they're going to kind of save that for last. 
Excellent, excellent. And now you're going to tell us all about your game. Well, yeah, I didn't. I I've been kind of coy about it. I wanted to talk about it too much on the podcast, except to say this is what I've been working on. When people have asked me what have I been doing, but um, I've been working on this game Wire Wars. And for, uh, for any of you that don't know what it is, it's basically kind of like a, a mashup between uh, a cellular automaton, a turret defense game, and a MOBA. Um, and the reason I bring it up now is, is you know, it's pretty much feature complete, and the code is relatively bug free. Um, we've been able to have some pretty long game sessions, and so most of the remaining work is, you know, improving graphics and polishing. And last night we had a few of us testing out, and, and most of the feedback was positive. So what I've done is I've created a Facebook Wire Wars testers group, um, where I'm going to publish um, like regular um, testing events and links to the current build, so that people can come along and test it. Because obviously, um, you know, just trying to get people I know on the podcast to come and help out with testing is kind of hard to, you know, kind of heard those cats to be around at the same time, you know, on a certain evening. So I thought if I opened it up to, you know, the community, if anybody is usually got nothing to do, you know, half eight, nine o'clock in the evening or on a given night, then perhaps if they did, wouldn't mind giving up half an hour, 45 minutes of their, their elite time, they could come and perhaps help us test a game and maybe... Um, give us some, you know, we're open to suggestions, things like that. So if you are interested in taking part in the Wire Wars testing uh, events, um, then you can either search Facebook for uh, Wire Wars official testers, or you can send me an email for as many people as possible. And as I said, you know, you don't have to give up a ton of your time. Um, you know, we just want as many people to test the networking code as possible so we know, you know, what if there's going to be an upper limit to the number of people that can play a game. Um, and obviously, you know, you just have to, you know, if you find a bug or something, just tell me about it. You know, I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire and say, give me more details. You know, I'm, 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 you know, pretty good at finding bugs if you just point me in the right direction. But could you? I'm not sure if there was a wee glitch there, but I didn't catch your email. Do I just want to just fire it out again oh, for the people getting sorry, in touch? Yeah, it's John at Stabler.tv. Easy. Was that okay? Easy. That's perfect. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't ask what else you've been up to this week. Um. Well, the only exciting... Well, I say exciting. Uh, I woke up this morning, opened the airing cupboard, and found my boiler was hanging off the wall. Um, it had become detached at the top, and it came away from the flue. Uh, luckily, the yeah, it wasn't set to come on overnight or anything like that. There was no gas leak. Um, but serendipitously... Uh, that's my word for today. Um, I had the gas engineer coming out anyway this morning because it was due a service. So he turned up, and I was like, mate, you should come and check this out. And he was like, oh, that looks well dodgy. So um, I basically had to take the day off work, um, obviously, to help him sort it out. So uh, that was my excitement for the week. Yeah, you're saying that's serendipitous for you, but that's an absolute nightmare job for him, turning up for a service and finding a boiler hanging off the wall. Yeah, well, I did say to him, I said, have you got much booked for today? <laughs> um, and he says, i got a couple of things. But I, 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 it was all right. I mean, um, I think what... What he did was we, we kind of made it safe so that it wasn't going to, you know, fall off completely. Um, and then he said, right, i got to go out and get this cement stuff to kind of... Because basically the, the plugs had come out from the wall. It wasn't just the screws. The whole plug came out. So we had to cement it back together and seal it. So he went off to get that and he did another job. Then he came back, put the cement in, then he disappeared for another couple of hours and did another job. So, you know, I don't think it completely ruined his day. 
That's, that's not so bad, yeah. It's one of those things where you can just see that the, the glaze going over their eyes and, uh, yeah, wishing that they hadn't got out of bed that morning. Uh, well, I think we'll go over to Colin. Mr Ford, what have you been up to this week? Well, this, this week uh, I've been mostly exploring. I've been heading out into the big dark to see how many systems I can explore for the latest Alliance community goal. And uh, I must admit... It gets very, very lonely when you're two, only 200, 300 light years away from uh, civilization. So goodness knows how everybody's managing who's heading for Sagittarius A or whatever the, the center of the galaxy is called. Yeah, I don't. I've not done any exploring myself. It's the one part. Well, it's two parts: exploring and mining that I've not yet taken on an elite. Uh, but we'll go and see what Karash has been up to this week. John, number two. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny Colin should say that. I'm one of those crazy people that's decided. I want to go to Sagittarius A-Star and have a look at it. Uh, <laughs> I decided on the live stream on Friday, I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll head it that way. It's a four-day weekend, you know, should be a nice little trip. Yeah, four or five days into it, and I'm only about a third of the way there. <laughs> it's it's insane. I mean, currently, I mean, what, what Colin, you said about two, three hundred light years from uh, civilization. Yeah, currently, I'm peanuts. somewhere in... Yeah, that's just peanuts to space. I'm... I'm <laughs> Just around eight and a half thousand light years from Sol at the moment, which is insane. Jeez. I'm starting to feel a little bit stir crazy, but uh, <laughs> it's great fun. I'm really, I'm enjoying the exploration stuff. It's nice to just find things out there. And uh, a couple of names I keep seeing cropping up, Dobbo's sort of showing up on a lot of these stars and things like that, ah, which is right. uh, it's uh, it's nice to see the things out there. It's like, oh, people have been here. You know? There's graffiti on some of the planets. <laughs> Footsteps in the wind. Sort of <laughs> Dobbo was here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, have you got to that point now? where you've got the squeaky bum syndrome whenever you see a contact appear in your... <laughs> it is that kind of... You see, like, uh, you know, 42 new astronomical objects pop that you oh, you know, got to go check them out, got to go see what they are. And, uh, you know, it, it is a completely different game playing all that, but it's nice and peaceful. It gives me a chance to do other things. Excellent. Well, for anybody that is sitting outside Lave Station and has managed to get into the Fozzer Group instance, uh, you will see that I am no longer in that free Sidewinder of seven weeks ago. No, I am in a T9 and... What a pig it is to fly! <laughs> and if you were if you were in the live station around about I don't know maybe two hours ago, you'll have caught me trying to dock that bad boy in a number of different ways and failing in a lot of them. Um, but it's been a lot of fun and yeah, what an amazing ship to have for trading. Five hundred tons, I can carry. I can just about jump the length of the ship, um, which does make trading quite challenging. But you know, it's been a real sort of joy to get into it and it drives it sounds like it sounds not as harsh as the asp it's kind of a little bit farty but it's not so farty like the asp that just drove me to i hated that i hated that sound effect but so far i think my favorite ship in game is still going to be the python that is an absolute beaut of a ship to fly so much fun uh, other than that i've been editing away you may have noticed that we've had what did we get? We've had the episode 50 has finally materialised and is available to download from iTunes and listen to live on the laveradio.com website. We have the first Data Slate episode out as well, which is a book review show and is there again on iTunes, I believe. Is it on iTunes? Yes, it will be. It will be, because I did it. If it's not there, it means I messed up, and that's very possible. Uh, and... Um, 
It's also on the website too. I believe we will have a new conclave coming very, very soon. So you guys are completely spoiled by the amount of stuff we're pumping out this week. So we've all been very busy trying to make sure we can keep you entertained with this. And I suppose we should say welcome to any of the new listeners and anyone that's joining us for the first time tonight. Welcome to Lave Radio. We are here to serve you. Apart from you. Yeah, you at the back. You're barred. Um, So... We shall get on with, I think we'll do a quick advert and then we'll get back into the development news. I spend so much time in my Imperial Trader, I find it really hard to meet people. I mean, when do you get the time to go to bars when you're taking on courier jobs for the military? But with VenusDating.com, it was so simple. I just put in my personal details and they found me my perfect match. I really thought it would be difficult, but Venus Dating made it so simple, with so much in common. We both like movies, walking along the beach at sunset. Browsing imperial shipyards. And of course, since we started dating, we've discovered that we both really love... <laughs> shooting Thargoids. Let your voyage begin with venusdating.com for every first encounter. And we're back! And we're going to get straight in with the development news from the dev update on the 1st of April. Um, anybody got any sort of standout points that they want to raise about that? I know that we've got the Mac beta, which is continuing to go, which is great. I just got the MacBook repaired and back today that would play Elite, so I'll come back maybe next week with some information on how well it was to install etc and run um, and then I'll feel that I've got a bit more information that I can give regards to the Mac beta but at the moment I'm a little bit lost. Does anyone have that on Mac? No, I mean I think Alan Stroud said he was going to try and um, use it in boot camp but um, no, no one's run it native yet I don't think. Okay, so we'll need to come back to that one next week. Let's go over to Karash who looks like he is busting at the seams to tell us something. (laughs) I'm always interested in the dev updates, gives us a little sneak peek into their minds and what they're currently working on. Now I think I'm most interested in in the little bit at the bottom that I think a lot of people might have skimmed over uh, where he's talking about the new three states that uh, various mm. systems can enter into. So you've got the state of election, where two minor factions of the same type that aren't criminal, uh, regardless of the home system, can go into. You've got the civil war, uh, where the two factions are both criminals, uh, or war, where the two factions from different different types from different star systems. Now, I think that's really interesting because, to me, in the back of my mind, I think this is laying the groundwork for some of the uh, hints that we've had about some of the upcoming updates. And it's interesting to see that they're, they're spending a lot of time and thought into how these factions are evolving and changing over time. That's quite nice to see that being uh, improved on there, I think. So do you think there's going to be an opportunity where there's an election in a system and we can all fly their dock and vote? <laughs> well, I think it's it's more to do with the fact that, you know, different factions are not going to necessarily be warlike or criminal. They're not going to go into, you know, instant kind of let's, let's throw multiple capital ships at the problem and beat each other up over it. You know, they're going to be more, you know, civilized and uh, work through their differences in, a, in a, a, a more peaceful fashion, for example. I don't think we as players are going to have any kind of uh, say on that. I, you know, I mean, maybe I'd like, to, I'd like to be wrong. I'd like to see some things come up on the bulletin board saying, you know, vote here for this for this party or that party. That would be quite nice. <laughs> vote Psycho Cow for President of Beldacri. Yes, that's what we want to see. 
<laughs> Colin, what have you got to add? Well, I was thinking you do kind of have a vote because uh, when these uh, states hit the hit the, the background situation, um, surely if you run missions for that faction, that helps towards their. Uh, uh, their final result. So if you've got, uh, I don't know, an election ongoing and you, and you run constant missions just for one faction, then that helps them towards their eventual influence and, and taking over. Uh, we've already seen that happen in Leasty where um, the good old code seems to have won their little, uh, little fracas over there. Yeah, we'll come back to code. We've mm. got a message for you, code, later. <laughs> later. But uh, yes, uh, it's, it's good to see that they're, they're actually adding in the final, I think the final part of the, of the background situa- uh, simulation for this kind of influence. Because I know that it's being brought up in the forums time and time again that it doesn't seem to be completely there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting. I mean, it'd be nice because it great generates news, doesn't it? Because you could have smear campaigns in a local system uh, by the other parties involved. And yeah, it'd be awesome. John? Yeah, I was, I was just going to say that, um, you know, looking at the existing missions, if if there's elections going on in a system, are we going to start seeing like a, a job load of uh, propaganda missions uh, appearing on the on the uh, the bulletin board, you know? So it would be a great, ti- a great time for the lobby players who, who just want to take packages around, I guess. That's true, nice little easy missions for them, and then of course there'll be. I'd, I still would love to see the counter missions, and it's one of these things where you get your ship scanned um, by the opposition who then go, You're carrying propaganda, pew, 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 that's not going to get delivered. Um, I'd love to see that kind of thing, or whether or not you could target members of a particular party and target their ships that are out and about, because you always get to see what the factions are. And if we could take out enough of them, whether that would reduce the voting potential for their side that could be another way of tackling it (laughs) you could wipe out an entire side and they get no votes because they're all dead or there could be referendums you know we could have uh, small factions um, declaring a a referendum on independence Uh, I don't know where I got inspiration for that concept from at all Um, right, well, I think it's really... Uh, as long as they're not some some toff who goes around drinking beer saying that, you know, Lave should become independent, get rid of the bureaucrats in the alliance and blaming everything on immigrants, then, you know, I'm quite... Uh, I'm game for it. <laughs> is, isn't, isn't that the, the basic policies of the code? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to save my insults for later. Yeah, I, I, Carry haven't, on. I haven't worked out what their, their set of rules are. Yeah. Anyway, yes... We cannot go past the development news. We cannot finish talk. Well, maybe we could finish on this dev update. I just watched Karash explode in the background if we don't mention <laughs> Powerplay. Um, yeah, we've had more news on Powerplay, and I am not going to deny him any further, except for maybe another couple of words. Um, Powerplay. What's it all about, Karash? <laughs> oh, I, I, well, I, I could tell you, but then, you know, I'd have to beat you to death with my NDA. But um, no, I, I don't know any more than most people, so I, I'm really, really keen to find out what this is. I, th- I think the writing is on the wall with some of the other things we were just discussing, the, the political background changes, the faction states and things like that. It, it all points towards the fact that they're working towards that end goal of having more uh, control and more interesting things going on with the background simulation and the state of play of the, the big superpowers and stuff like that. All the hints from Michael point in that direction. So I think the biggest 
update we're going to see in 1.3 is definitely going to be geared towards that, seeing the galaxy start to change and evolve based on the uh, the states of these big parents and cool. Excellent. So you're saying that we're definitely going to be able to vote in local elections. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, I think I would be rather topical if they get that out and sorted <laughs> in the right time. Yeah, be good. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, it could be fun. Um, what else was there? There's obviously they've mentioned that there's new methods of interaction in the galaxy. Um, yeah, that doesn't really. Well, I think that's I think that's the hint that he uh, that is going for there is the fact that you know interacting with the galaxy is going to be this being able to have more control and more visibility on the factions and the things which are going on there. So I think that's what they're hinting there. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people that would love to be able to declare an allegiance to a local faction and have it show up against the name. And I think there's that's maybe room for a future expansion if it doesn't appear in power play. That would be something that I certainly would love to be able to sort of you know affiliate myself with a local faction and then you can continue the role play element of being either a dirty pirate if you're in my home system or maybe some kind of law like bounty hunting uh, self-righteous opinionated so-and-so for another faction I think you know it opens up that method of role play which would be awesome but that's not mentioned so there's no point going on about that drones is mentioned though we have collection drones to assist with mining so uh, if, I, if I remember reading it rightly it's a, I think each drone takes up one ton and is it's expended when you send it out and it collects and returns to your cargo yeah yeah so there's there's a couple of little you know angles of this it, it does a few different things so they they can pick up cargo so you know the pirates that are on on, a, on the run they want to move quickly they can swoop in grab cargo quicker you can pick up the chunks of asteroids when you're out mining but you can also exchange fuel with other commanders which i think is a really big change for explorers people wanting to work as a as a group in that exploration thing and uh, helping people out because <laughs> the number of times i've run out of fuel myself i think it's uh, it's going to be an important change for the game <laughs> Well, that's absolutely right, especially when we've got a lot of new players who are joining um, at the moment, and any new player that always makes that mistake, you could make a, a small fortune sitting, what, five jumps from a starting system and just waiting for the noobs to arrive and run out of fuel. <laughs> absolutely. I'm not suggesting that anyone should set up an extortion racket for new players, but I'm sure they'd appreciate someone there offering them fuel at maybe a slightly <laughs> inflated price. I mean, obviously, you've got to make a profit. Yeah, well, that's the interesting point. They don't actually mention anything about how you would reciprocate uh, to that person sending you fuel. You know, there's no mention of trading for in-game credits or anything like that. So the question is, how do you do it? Do you get them to dump some cargo first before you help them out? Or hmm, Interesting. Yeah, just to wait and see. I'm sure no matter what, we'll find our own way of making it work around the, around the sides of whatever they put in. Um and also was mentioned we've mentioned the background sim fixes which sounds really exciting mm, it absolutely. really does and rather than it being sort of time related it looks like the influence levels um, are going to play a part in the end of the conflicts as well which is good so that it won't just go on eternally it will end when the influence has been balanced in the wrong direction that's quite interesting and the victor will then try and take ownership of the loser's most important starport in the system. That's harsh. It's already happened. I'm afraid George Lucas is no longer with the Alliance. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 yeah, we'll get back to them later. <laughs> <laughs> Next on our schedule, we have Newsletter 69. Ooh, I hear you say... Trying not to think of anything rude, aren't you, Grant? 
I'm yeah. You can you can hear you can hear that the concentration. Uh, don't say it. Don't say it in the background. It's yeah. constantly going through in his mind, isn't it? There's yeah. There's a lot of text in this. It's a bit of a mouthful, so we're not going to read it all out. Um, but you know, <laughs> uh, someone else want to take over? <laughs> Just give me a couple of minutes to get this out of my system. I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> I, well, I think a lot, a lot of it was covered in the uh, the dev notes, wasn't it? The, the first part. Well, the, there is a nice picture of a drone in action. That's 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 good to see. Yeah, yeah, it gives us an idea of how they might work. You've got the uh, the little arms that can reach out. It looks about half the size of a cargo canister, maybe, uh, with yeah. some robotic arms it can grab hold of. Now, I, I'm really interested. They, they did mention that um, they have a limited lifespan, so you, you can fire them for once, get a target, and then bring it back to your cargo, or you can just leave them to go and scoop up things nearby, but they have a limited lifespan. Now, I'm wondering whether that's going to tie in with some kind of uh, fuel allowance on the actual little drones, so they've got a limited time period they can stay alive. Now, obviously, there must be a balancing reason why they've decided to go that route and not make them last forever. I, I don't know the exact decision. But it'd well, be interesting I, I mean, looking at the size of it, I mean, mm. it's a little bit smaller than a canister, but not a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm assuming it takes up a ton. So, if you've yeah, got a ton, do you know what yeah. I mean? You want yeah. it to return the ton to you. You don't yeah. want and then, But, of course, if you don't have space... Do you know what I mean? If you, yeah, you if almost want it to, to drop. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You, you drop the cargo and then just destroy self-destruct so it's not taking up the cargo space in the yeah. process. It kind of makes sense. As long as but, they're affordable and cheap, then, yeah. you know, it, was, uh, it shouldn't be an issue. Is it, is it going to be one... Uh, one each drone can only retrieve one ton, or is it going to be able to retrieve multiple tons? The, well, I think they can retrieve multiple targets, ju- judging by what they were saying, particularly in mining, you can point them at to gather all fragments within an area and mm. just let them go, but they've got a limited lifespan. They can only last for a given period of time to do their job. Um, so that, that I don't know the exact reason for that. Now I know I've seen a few comments where people saying, "Oh, that's crazy! Why are you doing that? Why are you doing it?" But it kind of makes sense. They've got to put some limiting factor in them, otherwise they would just be way too overpowered. You can just have, carry one little drone around with you forever that would do everything for you, and you'd never have to recuperate or buy more of them or repair them or anything like that. So then there needs to be some limiting factor in there. Yeah. And also, it's another consumable, so it's another um, way, so it's another money sink within the game. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's being used primarily to balancing out of the different roles in the game so this is really a bit of love being shown to the pirates and a, and a lot of love being showed to the miners just to help, <laughs> just to help yeah. them kind of get that comparative boost to their income that they're currently struggling to find because they are well, I think mining might be one of the most tricky careers to make money in well I think the problem with mining is that you know when uh, they first brought it out in the first uh, it was one of the beaters wasn't it um, everybody was everybody jumped on it and everyone was making a fortune because it wasn't balanced correctly um, and then on, on release they seem to have you know rebalanced it but it seemed to have gone the other way it's, it's no nowhere near as profitable as anything else and that you know that doesn't help with the tedium of having to scoop it all um, so I guess that you know, but but now that the, these have been announced for miners, I've heard a lot more people saying, "Oh, I'm going to go back into mining now." You know, this is this is you know maybe decide to give it another go, which I think they need to do because I think most people have just given up on it as a career. Yeah, it's one of those ones that I've never tried. It's just never interested me yet. But I think once I get to the point where trading's kind of 
got a bit dull for me I think I'll have to go and give it a shot at some point certainly if it's going to be given a little sprucing up it might be worthwhile having a look then well you're in a T9 now so you know ideal ship to be doing it in really yeah although can you imagine how under the current circumstances how long it would take me to fill that thing up 500 cargo tons yeah, yeah it'd take a bit that's a, a long time in long, space yeah. um also in the newsletter is the obviously more details on the Mac beta. We have some interest from Ben, our crew member, who has tried it on his mother, his brother, brother-in-law's MacBook Pro using a PlayStation 3 controller, and it works. Though he was struggling with some of the controls, and there's some weird artifacts and various things. So there's obviously some tidying up needing to be done in the Mac version, which of course is what beta's for, so that's all good. And then we have a little section on the wonderful competition that I wasn't particularly keen on, but that's another story, um, with regards to the NVIDIA Titan competition running in the game. Now, did any one of you have a go at trying to find one of these? Oh, I had about um, two minutes and then realised I ain't got a I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have time. I'm not going to have time to run around the galaxy trying to decode where all this is going to come from. Yeah. And sure enough, it, it it went quite quickly, didn't it? Well, yeah, no, I know that um, Ed Lewis had expected them to go within hours, but in reality, it was more a day, which is, you know, is, is a big difference. Um, essentially, they hid a commodity item, which you had to fly around different starports or try and work out a likely starport that was maybe hooked in with the whole NVIDIA. There was some clues in the particular uh, clue that they gave us all uh, when they announced it. And then you had to find that cargo and then you had to buy one, take it to a particular location and sell it there. Uh, John, did you have a go at this? Uh, no, I, I kind of self-imposed a restriction. I thought, I better not apply for this. If I get any more free stuff from Frontier, there's going to be picket lines outside the offices, I think. So <laughs> I thought, I better not I better not go for that. But no, I was watching it keenly. Um, and one of, one of my favorite things I saw was people, instead of actually going off and finding them, they were starting to kind of blockade outside the target station, just randomly scanning and interdicting people. You know, so, have you got one? No, you have. Damn, try the next player. Try the next player. Everyone was trying to steal one off each other, which was quite funny. It made a nice little kind of, in-game moment for people chasing around and trying to do see these things. It's quite nice. That must have been terrifying. If you're sitting there with one of these in your cargo hold and you jump into the system and you just see nothing but hollow shapes on your radar, you're going, oh, crap. But five people managed it. Five people got it. Congratulations to Commander T. Schweiker, Commander Hello Meow, Commander Jane Tufayo, Possibly. Commander Space Texas and Commander Darth Bling Bling, all who have won an NVIDIA Titan graphics card, who will either now be cursing their luck at having to upgrade their motherboard and processor to support it. Um, I, I can predict a new, C, a new PSU in their futures. But yes, congratulations to you all, and I hope it brings Elite to you in the most stunning resolution, because I just upgraded my graphics card to a... 790? No, a 970 even. Nvidia 970. And uh, just this week, I had to get a new case because my case was kind of making such a noise uh, with the fans and stuff. So I went for this wonderful, super cooler silent system, and uh, it's a little bit quieter. 
back, so I thought, well, you know, nice graphics card just to boost the performance, and uh, yeah, it's going great. And actually, you do notice the difference. Even when streaming, the details getting streamed over Twitch are improved. So if you're about on Friday when I'm doing the Drabble thread, you can have a look and you might just recognise the fact that it's a bit more detailed. It's impressive, really. Right, now... Let's have a look and see what else is in that newsletter. We have Gaia Meister's videos. <laughs> Gaia Meister? Well, why is someone laughing? Uh, I'm sorry. Have I been stitched up again? No, Commander Mindwipe has just commented that you can't even get your specs right. and But he would love to have whatever you're smoking. Did you say windpipe? <laughs> Mindwipe. I know he loves you it. See, you've got, you've got smoking <laughs> on the mind. Uh, dearie me. So we're, we're moving on, yeah. Thanks. Mind wipe. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Gaia Meister's videos took 12 hours of footage. This was to try and show off his uh, long quest to find a Titan Black graphics card, wasn't it? And then he didn't. <laughs> but he thought, I've got all this footage, let's uh, make a video of it. And apparently it's brilliant. Have any of you watched it? Yeah, I did. Uh, uh, I had a quick look of the uh, that video. I thought it was really, really crazy. Obviously, it was time lapse. So it was kind of really frantic. Frames going everywhere. One minute he was in the station, the next second he was outside again and scanning around. It was really interesting to watch it. I must admit, it's it's nice to see some creativity coming from the community and you know good sportsmanship. Really, I, it must have been really gutting to not win one, but then to uh, put the video together anyway in uh, kind of a bit of a tribute to the attempt. I think that's that's quite a nice thing to see. Yes, and then we've got, I mean, this, this, this newsletter had quite a few uh, interesting, um, well, I, would, I wouldn't call them anything other than challenges to the rest of the community to beat, is really what these things are. We've got the Edges of Inhabited Space in Mike Prosser's new video, uh, where he bought Sidewinders at every starport as far out into space as he could venture. That's... So then when he looks at his map, it's just going to be covered in little red ship icons. <laughs> That's that's a project. So then, you know, what's what's the next one going to be? Who's going to be the first player to have anacondas at every starport? Yeah. Rich bugger. Some rich person, but you know, yeah, go. But the one that is definitely this this is the kind of thing, a challenge that I would certainly attempt to rise to is the elite snowman. And uh, if you've not seen it, you've got to look at this in the newsletter. It's essentially jumping into a system and just two. Well, those are kind of what, what kind of stars would you say they are, Karash? I think it's uh, well. Uh white hot but uh, in a binary pair there so they're quite close you got uh, the large large star although the star which is closest to the camera looks like the body of the snowman and then you've got the smaller one which is just in the right position to the to be the top and then and i think a wing of it, vultures i would four, say four vultures yeah so you got you got two in the position of the eyes one in the position of a button and they've even got the center uh, wingman icon that looks like a little smile <laughs> underneath which very very well taken it's awesome <laughs> it is it's, I mean, that's i mean how do you come up well i know because it's a kind of stupid thing i would do but uh, yeah, the Bravo, it's the wrong time of year, but you know, still creative wise, awesome. So how do you beat a snowman? You're going to have to find all kinds of interesting star made up systems and trying to get that right angle and then adding ships and things to try and, uh, yes, I can only imagine where my mind's going and, um, yeah. I didn't realise that those were actual real ships. I thought that was all photoshopped, but obviously, oh, well played. <laughs> Yeah, it's brilliant. No, the little vultures, you can just kind of see that they're they're not perfect, which obviously you would do in Photoshop, but bravo. Um, does it tell us who's involved in that? 
Oh, yes, it does. Zebwen, Flibblesan, Brighty Lad, and Zeelezy. Uh, bravo guys, that's brilliant. Uh, try and make something, you know, that's the thing, they set a challenge, so we've got to beat a snowman. I can't even think of anything that I would be allowed to suggest that we should try and do. Oh dear. <laughs> Everything's just going to look no. like boobs with you, isn't it? Well, Let's that's be honest. The <laughs> I, mean, not that's, I mean, I had a fantastic shot when I was playing in the T9 on my way back to where I do my trading, and I landed in a system when there was four stars in a beautiful line, and it was, you know, it was a, a sort of like too close like that, the snowman, and then two just further out, but still in the same shot. I thought, I've got to capture this, it's amazing, and bravo for the debug cam because it allows you to try and get these arty farty shots and uh, I did so I was well chuffed so I put it up on my Facebook but it's not as creative as a snowman unfortunately so I wish I need to work on that and then the last part of this newsletter Ed starts talking about parking up at the Wesley Hotel in Birmingham last weekend for Elite Meet which of course three of us were at mm. Colin, yes. John, and myself. And Indeed. yeah, now well, I think four of us was because Chris was there as well. And Ben. So, of course, Ben was part of the uh, organizing team, him and Mike Snoz, and about all the different things. Now, I think we went through this last week. So we'll, I think we did, yes. We'll not go back over it, but that's it in the, in the newsletter where, Colin, you were chuffed because your miniatures game got a mention. I know. I, I still am chuffed. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Bear with us. We'll be back after this short message. Good evening. I'm bobbing up and down, and tonight on Lave News, our top story is Operation Tomahawk aiming to rid Lave of cold threat. As the war in Lave continues between Code and Cosmic State, reports have emerged to suggest that Cosmic State have chosen Adel's Armada as unlikely allies in what is being called Operation Tomahawk. The accusation is that Code are charging traders and other passersby for travel passes in the Lave system, which are only valid for a set period, and will provide protection against Code attacks. These reports would seem to indicate that no visitor to Lave is safe unless a travel pass has been purchased from Code. It is not clear at this stage what the Alliance reaction is to this policy, but it seems that as long as the funds aren't being channeled into a Lavian economy, they are unlikely to take a high view of this practice. Gownet reached out to both Code and Cosmic State for comment, and although no word has been received from Code, Cosmic State asserted that Commander Silk and Kudak were heading Operation Tomahawk, aiming to free Lave, and now potentially Leasty also, from the perceived Code threat. In top market news, the Lave commodity market has updated. Unfortunately, the following items are downtrending. That's fish, tobacco, liquor, and tea. Now over to Sally with our Lave traffic report. Thank you, Bob. 2,871 ships have passed through Lave space in the last 24 hours. And that's with a large record number of Cobra Mark Threes at 859 ships. I hope they all flew safely. Also, we have a large number of Asp Explorers at 465. And we only seem to have a very few Orcas. Only one Orca reported in Lave in the last 24 hours. Fly safe, Commanders. 
The top five late bounties are as follows. In number five is Commander Ronnie Reagan with a bounty of 4,240,000 credits. He was last seen in Requat. And at number four is Commander Quasi Derp. He was last seen in Rexy and has a massive blade bounty of 5,996,000 credits. Commander Z4 Mafia, last seen in the local area, has a bounty of 12 million credits. And at number two is Commander Whitehaven, last seen in Lave near the Castellan Station. His total bounty is 14 million. And the number one evil, nasty rogue is Commander Akin Normal. He was last seen in Usea Patterson Dock and has a total late bounty of 57 million credits. Somebody's got to stop him. Back to you, Bob. Thanks, Sally. And that's all from Lave News Tonight. Good night. Well, that was an interesting news <laughs> report. <laughs> uh, genius as it was, I take it you've had a lot of time on your hands this week. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bit of spare time this afternoon. Actually, it didn't take too long, which you can probably tell, because we could do it a lot better. And we will do it a lot better. We promise we will have proper reports coming at some point. But... We have actual women on it as well. <laughs> I, I don't guarantee that at all. <laughs> what do you mean? That was a woman. That really was. I had to pay her at least a fiver. Oh, okay. Uh, honest. And uh, yes, I went through the news reports today. I had a look at the Galnet, and it definitely seems to be that things are, are hotting up with a community goal that was kicked off by a competition between two of the parties trying to prove that they are more popular than the other. One who wants you to take imperial slaves to them so that they can say, oh, look, they brought more to me than they brought to you. So, na 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 It's getting very childish in the imperial space. But then again, that's what all imperials are like, isn't it, John? Big childish mamas, boys. Yeah, that's what they let's are. not start a war of words, okay? Carry on. <laughs> okay. Well, the other part that was the key part of that particular news story was what's going on with code. And I tell you what, it won't stand. They shall not pass. We will not sit back here and watch some do-gooding group that thinks they can come in and shake things up and leave. No, you can't. We say no. And we call all commanders out there in the elite universe. You get your battleships over to leave. And if you see anybody that's even slightly, if they even say the words, you shoot them out of the sky and you stop this right now. And if you can't do that, just drop into the solo mode and then just, you know, make sure that you support the local um, group because that really pisses them off. (laughs) (laughs) So, guys. Yes. Yeah, so I I haven't made my mind up about code. I mean, I don't know whether, you know, because they seem to be going to systems that are in the Alliance and then trying to make them independent. So I don't know whether they're either A, the UKIP of the Elite Universe... Or B, you know, they're just having revolution for revolution's sake. So they're the Russell Brandt of the elite universe. So it's one or the other. I'm not sure. And neither one of those is particularly popular. Well, I don't know. Well, I do have to take a little bit of umbrage about the phrase do-gooding group, because they're definitely not a do-gooding group. They're a pirate group. They're always asking, they're always stopping commanders and demanding cargo from them. Uh, so, I mean, 
well organized it's nice to see that they're they're uh, doing a little bit of uh playing the background simulation but it is now getting to a point where i'm there right i'm going to have to work on the opposite side because i i didn't like leasty going or independent and i certainly don't want leave to go independent well, no, it's, and, it's one of these things where uh, they may well just be shaking things up to see how far they can go before Frontier go, uh, no. I mean, this was raised uh, by, in a question by Ian Honcharenko as well, who was asking what our views were on code attempting to return Lave to an independent system, possibly a return to dictatorship, which would be, you know, interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> and, of course, the commenting on the fact that there are um, these groups that are ganging together to battle code which obviously is irrelevant to us we're just going to go with everybody else in the world those groups can fight amongst themselves we'll make sure that Lave stays as it is in its best form that it should be in and that none of these mischievous little pirates have an opportunity to take care of it but I suppose you know if you think about it if Frontier have a sort of future storyline that's based on a particular system being a particular way, how far are they willing to let player interactions go? Equally, how frustrating will Alan Stroud be if his next book has to be rewritten because of the actions of players in-game? Oh, but he's got around that. He's got around that because it's all historical. But he's, what he, he's got planned, isn't it? Well, yes, but I suppose so. But okay, that kind of limits his ability to sort of uh, keep pumping the books out, though, a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> At some point, he's going to be up to date and stuck, unless he's going to go back in time. I suppose he could keep going backwards, couldn't he? So, what do you think about this, guys? I mean, um, Karashi, you, you, I know you're too busy trying to turn over your own system, but you're going to get your backside <laughs> over here and help out. I, I think I'd better turn around and get back there, hadn't I? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think it's interesting. I, I, I'm not bothered either way how any of these things turn out. I just, I'm really, really pleased to see the game adapting and evolving and changing. And it, it's all about us having that impact. And I mean, us as players, all of us doing whatever we think we want to do, banding together in whatever way, with, you know, to cause anarchy or to, to call, you know, bring a system into order or anything i think it's great to see those changes so i don't mind what happens either way i'm just intrigued to see it play out and you know i i, I think frontier have always got your back really with how the systems are going to pan out because they are kind of playing games master to the whole thing if anything does go too far out of hand they can quite easily uh, poke in and just you know make a few capital ships appear you know bring things to order so <laughs> that's true yes well, a, a sudden disease and the code ranks leaves their ships with rust and they can't fly all these kind of <laughs> random factors that could come in <laughs> it's one of those things isn't it that um, you know we're all in favor of seeing systems you know changing hands and you know players being able to change you know the history of, of systems but when it happens to your own system all of a sudden you, you start thinking oh that's that, I don't like it I don't like it so uh, as soon as I'm able to get online I will be going and, and basically I'm just treating anybody who is associated with code as a, as a kill on site hostiles to be taken out well I've always sat there and thought you know that I remember that uh, Frontier were talking about space stations not being uh, destructible at first and I thought 
really I don't want to upset Frontier because the worst thing to be to happen is for a player named station to be the first station to blow up <laughs> and I just get a sneaky suspicion if I don't behave myself it could be mine um, <laughs> just that's the kind of thing that you know that's next isn't it when we start but you do you're totally protective of your own home system it's like yeah that's fine you can take over all those ones no one cares about Leasty mm, apart from Colin um <laughs> And uh, we were just kind of, no, we can't do this to leave. But ultimately, will it make a difference? Can we get a better price on Levy and Brandy? <laughs> so you're saying that that has to be done, but uh, it's perfectly fine to dump radioactives in slow. Is that, is that okay? Well, no. absolutely. Slough is <laughs> the one place that's got all the nice processing uh, equipment for radioactives. Oh, I see. They I needed see. to okay. get it in. So that's definitely the best place there. And bio-waste, because you, know, you need something to to feed the people to be fair if if um actually dumping radioactive you know waste in slough did actually have a, a negative impact on the system then people might actually think twice about doing it but at the moment it's just a fun thing to do <laughs> yes I don't, I don't actually know anybody that is actively continuing to do that yet um it might no. just be you john i mean i would say that i could take 500 tons out there and that'd be a real yeah. uh, interest. Well, that's why I'm still in an ASP because I haven't been trading. I've just been taking loads of you know radioactive waste and dumping it. So <laughs> fantastic. Well, I think it's time for us to get on to our main discussion point for this evening, which is of course the news that Elite Dangerous has now released on Steam, and in true forum style, it blew up, and there was. The, it was, again, I always like it because contentious points now, no longer do they just have the sort of a negative side arguing and fighting, but you've got the positive side fighting equally hard. And it's kind of, you know, I look at the Steam release and, and heard it was on Steam and the first thing I thought was, awesome! And then the second thing I thought was, I didn't think they were going to release it on Steam. And then the third thought was, it doesn't really matter if they release it on Steam. At least they've got the common sense that if they find a decision that you've made beforehand is restricting them from doing something good, it's always good for a company to change their mind and do the smart move. And Elite on Steam, as far as I'm concerned, that's a smart move. That's a big market. It's a nice, easy way. And I would love to have my Elite Dangerous as part of my Steam library as well. And yeah, I know there's a forum that we'll get to that. We're going to start off with the, the first part, which was called the good, the bad and the ugly. And for that, we are going to go over to John Virgo, our Elite Dangerous forum moderator. <laughs> did, did you hear me bashing my head on the desk uh no it, it it's not been all bad there's been a, a, a lot of stink kicked up about a bunch of things and uh, i think some of, some of the good things has been it's been well received by the steam community i think over the weekend we had a an all-time peak of 7400 commanders new commanders online at the same time which is quite nice to see total bought on steam at the moment it's somewhere in the order of magazine 18,000 just over the last couple of days which i think is really be good that's that's awesome to see it's great to see new people coming in the game there's also people that played the original game commenting on there saying i, I didn't realize a new one was being made i mean wow you know they, they still haven't heard of it all of the kickstarter stuff and everything and you've got new people coming in at this point they've only just saw it because it cropped up in their recommended list on steam so it's really really awesome it's it's a really good move for frontier to get into steam it's another shop front it's the biggest pc games distribution platform you know on the planet so 
really really good that's that's the good side of things everything's great there um moving on to the bad the uh <laughs> what's been playfully termed Keygate, uh, which is really unfortunate. So for those of you who don't know, unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of stink kicked up around the fact that backers that had already bought the game on the EliteDangerous.com uh, storefront uh, insisted, or a lot of them expected, that they would get Steam keys uh, to go along with so the game could be... Uh, integrated fully into steam um and unfortunately that, that isn't currently the case frontier weren't prepared up front to do that which is unfortunate on their behalf i don't, don't know if they didn't have enough time to do that trying to get the game ready for steam release for the easter weekend which obviously is a big sales target it's important to get the game ready so it was a it was a bit of a miss misstep on their behalf that they didn't get that ready they said they will look into it but that hasn't stopped the masses producing another 200 page thread going on and on about yeah we should have our steam keys we demand our steam keys which is kind of unfortunate to see people do that it's not all bad a few people are uh, kind of saying that well yeah it would be nice if we have one but we well, see i think it's one of these things that it depends on where Frontier want to go, because obviously the key thing is, when you pay for a game, you have to be able to play that game. And we can play that game. So it releasing on Steam has absolutely no bearing on our ability to play the game. So yeah. th there's absolutely no fault, there's no foul. It's just purely a sort of, well, you know what, it'd be nice if we could have a key and we could stick it in, like you know all the other th the sort of Kickstarter games, they eventually come out on Steam and they chuck a key our way and then boom, it's all tidy. But in those cases... Those games are updating through Steam only. Yeah. Now, in the case of Frontier, it's different to... And we don't know, because frankly we're not in the Frontier development team to be able to say for certain that mm -hmm. they are wanting to move to Steam. If they want to move to entirely to Steam, then they're going to obviously need to get all the old backers back onto Steam, which is fair enough. How Steam and the different updates are going to work is one of the concerns of a lot of players. They're concerned that the main players using the sort of frontier hosted side of the game are going to have to wait for updates until it's propagated through steam and so therefore it's kind of a why do we have to wait i mean ultimately when an update comes out we don't know if it's been delayed a week because it's been waiting to go up on steam anyway there's no difference to the end user as long as the updates go live at the same time in both platforms as far as i'm concerned anyway and one of the other big uh, concerns that seem to have been kicked up, and, and maybe you can answer this one, John, is um, Frontier said they weren't going to put it on Steam. Why are they lying, John? Well, this is... I don't know. People like to throw the word lie around on the internet <laughs> all the time. And it really bugs me, because lie, you know, it, it implies an intention to deceive, which, um, you know, I don't think Frontier actually did intend to lie um, it is quite interesting because you know originally i think even back during the kickstarter people were asking is it going to be on steam and a lot of people you know made some um you know pretty good cases of you know it should be on steam some of them were like what i would call selfish reasons and i don't mean that as a pejorative but i mean people just wanted it for their own for their self it's, it's got that easy integration um, and so that's fine. But a lot of people did point out that obviously being on Steam, it gives you that extra visibility. It is a huge marketing platform. And so they were almost incredulous at the fact that a company w weren't seriously considering putting it on Steam. Now, Frontier wanted to do it their own way. And I, I mean, I completely rejected the idea that it wasn't possible 
to have a successful game that wasn't on Steam, as a lot of people were saying. That's just ridiculous. But I did agree with the fact that, you know, they were missing a trick with it. So, but, you know, the question I kind of want to ask is, what is... They basically changed their mind, okay? Like in the news, why is it tragic news if a politician flip-flops? You know, why is it seen as like a sign of weakness rather than a sign of strength? If you have one position and then you find out more information down the line that, that changes, you should change. If you get new more information, and you should change to the better business decision. And, and I don't see why people should see that as a sign of weakness or lying or deceit. You know, it's just a company trying to do the best for their shareholders and ultimately the best for the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think moving on to Steam is, is a really positive move and it's only going to further create new customers and new customers always mean that a game will last longer, which is even better. So we'll have more money for more development and we all get to play for a lot longer than might have been, which is great. Now, the other side of things that were negative I come across was accusations of kind of deliberately releasing on an Easter weekend in order to capitalize on sales, but failing to have any support in place because it was the holiday weekend and all the support staff were away on the holly bags eating chocolates and chasing bunnies. <laughs> now, I've not been able to find any evidence of people having problems with it on Steam. Um, I don't know, Karash, I know that the forum moderator team have moved into the Steam moderating role for the time being as well. So yeah. have you noticed uh, a majority of people coming and saying, we've got problems, we can't get the game to run? Um, we've had a handful of things. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to gussy around it. We've had a few people that had issues. We were jumping in and helping where people had, you know, just the general things like drivers weren't up to date and things like that, you know, couldn't get the verification codes to work. We had a lot of people that would request a verification code. Uh, it didn't seem to come through straight away, so they request another one. And then the first one would come through into their emails. They'd enter that first one. And, of course, in the meantime, the system's thrown that away and expecting the second one, which is still on its way in an email. So, you know, little things like that that people had issues with. And I can say for a fact that the, the support guys were put on. There was there was extra errors for the support guys over that time because we were redirecting people to the support guys if it, if we couldn't answer the question. So it, it, a lot of these things are simply not true. They did, they did think about how that was going to work. Like I said earlier on, the, the whole idea of the Easter weekend, it's a big sales weekend. It's a good big target for a company. It's important to, for them to get the game out there. And I bet, yeah, they weren't ready in, in the case of answering the question about whether they could have Steam keys, but they needed to get the game out there for that weekend. It was an important target. And in order to get your game up on the front of uh, the Steam you know, suggestions, you see the top sellers and all that on there, you kind of make that agreement with Steam to say, hey, we're going to be ready for this time. So they kind of they had to get it out. For that time, it wasn't entirely in their hands in that respect. Yeah, and I believe it topped the sales or the oh, yes. best sellers and knocked Grand Theft Auto Five down. Yeah, <laughs> for the first three days, yeah, it was first place, and uh, GTA Five was in second place. And I think that's wow. that's quite an impressive achievement. So you know, well done to the guys for that. <laughs> Bravo! So that's a nice, it's always good when we can come on and we can say people who were concerned about them doing it deliberately and not having support in place. That is not the case. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to be able to go for definite. So. You can stop worrying about that and move on to the next thing. So we have noticed that obviously all these issues that we've talked about, we've got the wonderful elite community standing up and I got, we've got to be proud of us, of us and all of us who took to the Steam forums to help out the new players, who 
got straight in there with facts and links and showing them how to do it and dealing with the requests. I think we can be quite proud of ourselves as a community for getting across there. Yeah, continuing the fighting and arguing as much as usual uh, <laughs> regarding different things. <laughs> but we went over there and we didn't abandon the new Steam players who I would like to wish you a huge big welcome to Elite. We love it. We hope you love it too. Right now while I can. Hopefully you will listen to our show and you'll enjoy it and we'll hear from you again. And if you have any questions that you would like us to try and answer them, please do visit our website, laveradio.com, and email us at info at laveradio.com with any of your questions. And we will endeavour to try and set some time aside in each show to take you through any sort of hints and tips. And I've got a couple lined up for tonight that we'll get to towards the end. So stick, keep listening. And um, anybody who's an old hat that hears me giving out bad advice, Tough, I have the microphone. So there. <laughs> so one of the one things that we saw was on the Reddit, we have instructions on how to add Steam to your Steam, sorry, how to add Elite Dangerous to your Steam overlay. Is that something you've tried, Karash? Have you had a look at those instructions? Um, no. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm in the camp of it works fine for me now, so I'm not worried. Uh, I, I think I, it's just one of these things where you can add any game that's not on Steam yeah. to the Steam library. It doesn't actually do anything beneficial, but it allows you to have all your games launching from within Steam. If you're using, say, for example, that Windows 8 Steam launcher, which is all button-pushed and touchscreened. Yeah, and it's quite nice. I mean, it's one of the recommendations from Michael Brooks straight away when people were saying, well, how do we get it in our Steam library? And I said, well, add it as an on-Steam game, you know. And a lot of people have done that anyway before the Steam announcement. I've seen a lot of people popping up saying, in a non-Steam game, Elite Dangerous next to their name. And that's the only really, real key distinction between people. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things actually we haven't mentioned is one of the benefits. Well, I say benefit. I think it would be fun, is the potential for the achievements that you get in Steam when you're playing. You know, like, I'd love to have an achievement for totaling my asp. <laughs> I must admit, I would like some things like that as well, but it, it's not on my top priority list. <laughs> but, you know, that's one of the positives of it being on Steam. Um, Colin, is there any kind of achievements that you would like to see on Steam if we ever get a chance to have a key? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's sort of, you've killed Saiku Cow four times. <laughs> no! No, <laughs> you've managed, no, no, no! You've, no, no, you've no. managed to get Commander Stroud three times? I don't know. So, Congratulations, just, you have you have bumped off the entire Lave Radio crew. <laughs> oh no, that means we've all got. I'll tell you what, flipping targets a targets in our back. Some somehow I think we've all got targets in our back anyway. Flipping but. a system might be an achievement. <laughs> yeah, true. And I don't mean that as in if you drive by and stick your hand out the cockpit window and give it the bird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, if you stuck your hand out of a cockpit window in space, well, <laughs> well, I think it'll be ejecting quite quickly. Now, I'm not sure, Mr. Stable, if you have had a look at the Steam reviews that have come in to date. I haven't, no. No, Sorry. it's been a bit mixed. Um, I think for a while, at first it came up, I think the sort of usual crew managed to, to get in there and, and kind of slant it towards uh, a sort of more mixed review status, but I'm glad to sort of note that more recently it's become more positive. Is that it? that's correct, John? Um, Karash? 
Yeah, um, I, unfortunately, we had a lot of like zero day accounts popping up, and we had a lot of familiar names that <laughs> uh, I've since worn off using the forums or playing the game that just appearing, cropping up their heads and doing their service to humanity and telling them how awful things are, uh, which was unfortunate. But uh, a lot of what was nice to see was a lot of the Steam players turn around and just kind of laugh them off and just made their own minds up anyway, which is what you need to do, really. You can't look at one review, particularly of things like people where they've played it for 0.3 of an hour couldn't get the launcher to work and i've told everyone it's the worst game ever you're gonna see things like that i suppose you just gotta be you know sensible about it look yeah. at these things the law of averages time you know will correct it and the balance will be correct i mean i i remember having a game on pre-order and i can't for the life of me remember what it was and on the day that it launched my pre-loaded game wouldn't work and i deleted it re-downloaded it couldn't get in deleted it downloaded it couldn't get in and couldn't figure out the problem and it was a real rigmarole eventually because of course it was a holiday weekend again and I couldn't get any support to get into the game and you do feel in that moment that you've been screwed but ultimately four days later you're in playing and it's all forgotten <laughs> and then you start enjoying the games so I really do hope that the people that are joining us from Steam and certainly from the threads that I've been involved in and the sort of problems that we've been dealing with which are all the kind of standard um, new player problems, you know, how do I make money and all this kind of thing, so uh, they seem to take to it and the the thing that was positive to see was they had an aptitude and a hunger to play the game so a game as big as Elite does require that you've got a bit of dedication to get into it and once you've got into it then you're hooked so it's good to see there's a lot of positivity and, and hunger for for that to happen, which is great. Um, Colin, have you been in the Steam forums at all? I haven't been actually in the Steam forums. I've been looking through some of the reviews, and uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, we're looking at about 75% positive reviews and 25% negative. And when you do look through the negative reviews, it's mostly as Crash was saying, the same old faces coming up again. Uh, and quite a lot of people saying this, I don't know what they're expecting. I think they might have been expecting EVE Online, but with the cockpit. He's just got a little bit... Didn't you look up what Elite was supposed to be? Right, but, well, yeah. I think it's one of these things on Steam there is, and, and, and maybe this is a criticism that's just... Um, when you look at Steam, you've got screenshots and videos, and the video they happen to be using is that trailer from, I think, the first trailer that came out just before launch that a lot of us kind of looked at and went, eh, it's, a, it's a wee bitty bit misleading because you can't fight like that that near to a station. Oh, and you can't do that that quickly, and et cetera, et cetera. And we had little issues, but obviously a trailer is to make it exciting and to show the kind of overall but it, doesn't, it definitely doesn't make you think that it's Eve, though, does it? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> to be fair, I don't know where people got that idea from. But you could understand someone buying in the strength of that trailer and maybe being a little bit put out a teensy bit, I don't know. Am I playing devil's advocate too much? Well, well that's, that would certainly be more of a realistic complaint that it's not Eve. <laughs> that's true, it definitely isn't Eve. And I, I did notice that there was quite a few people that were saying, why isn't this like Eve? And it's because it's not Eve. <laughs> so that's the answer, it's called Elite Dangerous. It is a very different game in that respect, and it's all about the your imagination and your ability to involve yourself in something. There is no quick 
Uh, here you go, you don't have to think, just follow these instructions and then you'll be further up in level two. In fact, I think the day they introduced levels in the league would all be going mental, wouldn't it? Eh, congratulations, you've docked 15 times, you are now level two in docking. No! <laughs> Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent again. <laughs> I know some people who did enjoy that. I think the only problem I had with the Steam launch is that I would have put a different video up as the default because um, I think the Wings video gives you a better feel for some of the gameplay elements. No? <laughs> well, no Just me then. <laughs> I, I think you're right, the Wings video was definitely more, I think it was actually more exciting than the first one. Uh, but I think the only thing the first one had was it had a, a rocking... <laughs> a rocking soundtrack to it that kind of got your heart pumping, but ah, but they've taken that away for the one on Steam. Yeah, it's, yeah, they had to replace it. They had to replace the music. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think they had the the rights to use that because it was a track from Royal Blood. So I don't think they had the the rights to use that internationally on the on the Steam platform. So it had to be swapped out, ah, right. which is unfortunate, really. Yeah, because it was an it was a, an awesome tune. It really kind of got you into the kick ass uh, mode of thinking. Which is like, that's the problem with the leak, because if you go in there with the kick-ass mode of thinking, you'll jump out that first station, and then slowly you'll be re-piecing your ass together back on the docking bay in your new free sidewinder. <laughs> no, I must admit, that soundtrack does work if you're stuck in the middle of a war zone, because, especially in high-intensity one, uh, that, that is when it does feel like uh, the video in question. But, oh, <laughs> sometimes you do wonder whether or not they were thinking... Whether you know they put the right video up, yeah. It's, I think it's one of these, it's, it's not a big issue at all. I mean, the game is so massive and so good in uh, certain ways, um, that it, it can't once they spend a bit of time in there, they'll definitely be able to enjoy it. They'll find something that will they'll call their own and that'll be them. They'll be sold in the game and they'll love it. And all these kind of things in the past, these little videos and the sort of minor tweaks and bugs will all be uh, a distant memory. We can only hope. Well, I think we can call that an end of the Steam debate and we'll maybe come back next week and give some updated figures on that and see how, how well it's been selling over this week. I think we'll... we'll that crash, that's your job. <laughs> Giving out sales figures? Oh, I just I don't have those numbers to hand, I'm afraid. Well, no, 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 from, from the Steam <laughs> from the Steam sales, because we can see that, can't we? Yeah, yeah, I think you can see that there's, like I said, um, currently 18,000 people online, there's about 5,600 people in-game, so uh, that's all playing Elite Dangerous, which is pretty cool. Amazing. Well, we shall move on to Community Corner. Shall we mention our Community April Fools before we start? Uh, might be an idea to get that out of the way, and uh, if anybody would like to apologise, go ahead. <laughs> so I think, you know what, I'm going to pass this one over to John Stabler. You can tell everybody how... Whoa! It wasn't even my idea, but okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, what happened was, um, I think it was, I'm going to say who it was. It was Alan. He's a, you know, he's, he's, he can handle himself. He's a big guy. He's not going to, uh, you know, be upset that I've named him. But um, uh, we had the idea for an April Fool's, or, or he did. So he, paid, he, he put on the Facebook group, oh, some exciting news about Powerplay coming up. And then I think the joke was that Powerplay involves basically playing football in space. Yeah, um, it was football sidewinder, wasn't it? Yeah, sidewinder soccer. And, um, you know, yeah, you know, great. Um, 
But I think it concerned a lot of people that we were going to give away spoilers or something like that. And, you know, some people had heart attacks over that. Um, <laughs> I must admit, poor Ed Lewis was absolutely freaking out <laughs> at that tweet. <laughs> he honestly thought that we were going to give away some secret details. How we got those details, I don't know, because they don't tell us enough. They don't tell us anything. Well, but, me, uh, me, and, uh, me and Ben were talking with him over, over dinner. And uh, it, let me just say, he was very, very tight-lipped. He kept it, he, he kept shtum very well. Like, he did say something about other members of the development team not staying as shtum as he'd like them to be, but <laughs> he, he managed to he managed to um, not let anything go. Although he did twitch a couple of times when somebody asked him a few things. Uh, but what happened was that he he panicked because he thought that we'd he, he had let something slip. And that we were about to broadcast it to the world. Yeah. You see, I think the only problem with, with the way that the April Fools was done, it was that first post, the one saying that there's some incoming news. If we just posted the April Fools joke on its own, then there wouldn't have been an issue. But uh, we kind of left them hanging. So poor Ed got all worried. <laughs> I think next time, just for just for um, the sake of his, uh, his his heart, I think we might just send him a little message saying, "Don't panic." Yes, <laughs> a wee heads up before, but I think he, you know, he took it on the chin, and you know, he appreciated the joke after his um, medication kicked in <laughs> and re- revived him. Uh, <laughs> so sorry. And Alan, Alan did apologise to him and said, "Sorry, I didn't mean to cause you any distress." So. Yeah, I think As Michael was, Brooks shouted, clear! <laughs> <laughs> well, I just noticed there's a couple of uh, questions that have just creeped up. Before we go on to the rest of the Community Corner, there's a couple of questions that have crept up in the IRC chat. Um, one is from a Commander Greyblade who says, Do we think there will be other kinds of drones at a future date, such as attack, attack drones and continuing on that carrier-like ships? Well, it's not EVE. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> so I think that's the answer to that question. It's not Eve. Yes, uh, I think we may have a flower arranging drones, uh, maybe a docking drone that will help me drag my ship through the slot in the right direction. Um, that would be good. But yeah, or but a drone drone as well, a what? drone that goes around, you know, giving Perhaps you drones. drones. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe maybe they'll upgrade the what's the cargo one that grabs cargo. Um, the cargo drone. Yeah, no, no, not, not the drone. The current piracy technique one. What's that called? Oh, goodness. The hatchbreaker. The hatchbreaker limpet. That's it. Maybe that will become a hatchbreaker drone. Yeah, something well, that drills you know, into yeah. the hull. Yeah, it won't make any difference to what it does, but it might just change the name. Someone else is saying that they'd love to see carriers. On the other hand, what would you do while travelling inside one? Quite easily, you'd fire up the little Nintendo ES that they've obviously programmed in next to the toilet and play classic Elite games. I think so. Yeah, I think, you know, they could just, you could have it just fire up another game in another window, you know, a bit of a jeweled, a crossy road, something like that. Or it could be, you know, like the 3D chess the hologram chess in Star Wars and you could actually, you know, fight and beat the wookie. Oh, that just sounds like a wrong, the wrong kind of that game. That so wrong. <laughs> We're getting into Fozzer crossover territory here, aren't we? Yes, we are. <laughs> there is one kind of drone I would seriously like to see and that's something for transporting passengers to and from ships. That would be interesting. Ah, yeah, so you can hand over that, um, you know... That dignitary that you've been transporting on the slide, yeah. When you get pulled out of hyperspace uh, hyperspace and somebody says, um, 
hey, we'll give you 20 grand for that guy, you're like, yeah, take him. Absolutely. <laughs> you You know, I'm not getting a lift with you to ever, never go getting your shifts. Come on, Grant, you can sit in the second seat in the Cobra. Oh, really? Really? Why has it got a canister next to it? Yeah. Uh, well, everyone's got their price. Oh no, I wouldn't do it to somebody who'd be able to fight back. I'd have, I'd put them in a canister, you know, for you know, keep them cold during transit. Okay. Well, what I'd like to do just now is go into some tips for all these new players that are joining us at this time. You know, all the Steam new players and anyone that was kind of anti-Steam that wants to buy it from Frontier, because there was a couple of them as well. They bought it from Frontier. Brilliant. They're all playing the game. That's fantastic. But you're all sitting there stuck in your Sidewinders going, how the hell do you make money? I can't shoot anything without getting my arse handed to me. I can't pirate. Yeah, this is a, a sort of long game you've got to try and take your time at first find the way that works for you and there are a number of different ways of doing it so i'm going to go around each of you in the team so i will start with you john stabler and i'm going to ask you for a tip of how to get to your first million um well okay so um at the end of the day you want to be doing something in game which you enjoy so if you don't enjoy trading you find it boring then like that and you want to do combat then this probably applies the same basically the first thing you want to do is get out of the sidewinder um it's it's a good fun ship and it's served us all well um but no matter what you want to do you need to get some cash behind you and so the best way to do that is just do a, a bit of trading enough to buy a hauler and then a bit more, and then you can start thinking about a Cobra. Once you're in a Cobra, then you, all of your options are open. You can start, uh, you can, it, it's capable for combat, or you can, it's large, so you, you'll start increasing your revenue through trading a lot faster. Um, so that's my tip, is just, you may as well go for the hauler. It's a nice stepping stone. It's pig ugly. It's only got one hard point, but you're only going to be trading anyway. So go for that. Would you rate that as a, your top priorities of to get out of the, the the ship? Is there any way that you'd recommend about getting your your first lot of cash to start rolling in? I mean, trading's fine, and it's tricky at first to, you know, to get the right yeah, well, products. I've, yeah, yeah, I definitely. I I mean, there's there's all sorts of information out there. There's websites dedicated to finding out where the profit margins are, and there's people constantly discussing trade routes on things like Reddit and other forums. But to be fair, the in-game commodities market, it does give a good indication of, you know, what you should be buying and selling because you've got the galactic average price next to it. But I think that, uh, you know, looking at the bulletin board for courier missions in a Sidewinder, they just don't seem to pay enough. So it does seem to be trading uh, initially, even if you want to go into combat, because it is the fastest way to get into a ship that is effective enough as a combat ship. Fantastic. Go on then, Crash. What is it you would recommend for the new? Well, I think to, to supplement what John was saying there, to get you from that initial jump from a sidewinder up to a slightly bigger ship, I think the the key thing that I did, it was a really good start, was look around on the bulletin boards for those missions, asking you to find things like black boxes and military plans and things like that. Most of those missions can go anywhere, you know, 10 to 25,000 credits a pop if you can get the right one. You only tend to need to like, one, two, maybe three tons of these things. It's quite easy to do, easy to go find those little uh, unidentified 
identify signal sources and find those things. So it's a good bump up to get you to that hauler in the Quite office. often illegal, though. Yeah, but Wes, when you're in the Sidewinder, you know, you can smuggle around. It's, that's, that's the whole point of the smaller ships. They're really good at smuggling. So do that first and then get yourself a little bit of extra cash if you don't mind, uh, you know, swaying with the dark side for a little bit. Colin, have you got anything you'd like to add to some of these tips? Well, actually, um, it all depends on people's play style. Uh, I didn't go for the hauler route. I started off on the Sidewinder and I went for the Eagle. I managed to, to get up an eagle with a couple of pulse lasers, and then I managed to go bounty hunting. Now, to begin with, uh, the bounty hunting didn't pay that well. But with the latest updates, it is beginning to be a viable alternative. Now, obviously, you've got to keep a little bit of cash back to make sure you'll be able to buy back your ship. But if you find the right nav uh, beacons, or um, I, I always found I had better success at the uh, mineral extraction zones. You go fly around there, find a couple of wanted people, deal with them, come back. That really begins to start to, to build up quite quickly these days. So um, so if you want your bit of, uh, bit of action, um, then I would, that's the way I would recommend, just to keep, keep things interesting. Trading, I, I think, it still pays the most, but um, I do feel that after I've done about six or seven hours of trading i need to break and do something else i think that's very very important is to vary your gameplay when it gets a bit tiring because it is very easy to get stuck uh, in a grind and just going back and forward and back and forward and it's often handy to have some way of either jumping into another ship if you're fortunate enough to have the funds to be able to supply two ships or being able to adapt your ship from trading to combat relatively easy just to get out there um, my tip having been in a free sidewinder what seven weeks ago and now being in a t9 my tip is with the current system if you take your little first sidewinder and you jump to your local nav point now the only way this works is if it's not an anarchy system. If it's an anarchy system, this is no good to you. You want to jump to a system that's got proper system authority vessels. Otherwise, you're on your own. <laughs> when you jump to one of these, whether it be Imperial or Alliance or Independent, as long as it's not an anarchy state, you can sit at the nav point and you can see all the different ships and you'll see the ones that are wanted. And when you see one that's wanted, make sure you can find some system authority ships nearby you because they will help you out. And that's the key point. Fire a couple of shots at that particular wanted ship. He will come after you like a, a nightmare shooting at you. And you try and avoid that as long as you can until the system authorities pick him off. You will then get your bounty on that ship because you have fired at it and you've engaged it. Now, that might sound like a little bit of a, a, a cheat. It's not. It's the way the mechanics are, are gauged. Now, if another player comes into that system and shoots at that ship too, then they will steal that bounty from you. So, this is a good way to be able to take on bigger targets without being on your own. As long as the system authority there to help you, they will give you a hand at taking out these targets for you to collect your big bounties. And that can help you get a bigger frame shift drive so that you can jump further. And then that opens up trading and makes it a bit easier. And certainly one of the key areas of trade that I'd recommend is rares. Because although you have to travel far out of your way to sell them at the highest profit, they get you more money quicker 
and it's a little bit less tedious than traveling and making 300 credits per ton when you can make 12,000 credits per ton. And Colin, you got some to add? Yeah, add just, a, just a little quick thing to your, to your point about the nav points. Whatever you do, do not accidentally shoot the authority vessels. <laughs> Good point, yes. <laughs> I know, I know there, there might be a horrible moment when one will slip through your gun sights. Just don't pull that trigger at that particular moment. <laughs> Otherwise, your, your, your plan just goes up in smoke. <laughs> I think John Stable's got something to add as well. Well, it's just to add to your bit about rares. Rares are very good for trading, in particular if you're in the smaller ships, because obviously there's a cap on the amount of rares you can get. Um, so you you wouldn't want to wait around for, for rares if you've got in a massive ship like a Type 9 um, because it'll take you ages to fill them. But in smaller ships, um, you know, the quantities are workable, so they're definitely worth keeping an eye out for. Yeah, and if you're not sure what a rare commodity is, when you are in the commodity market, it's generally, I think it's gold, isn't it? So sort of, definitely, it's definitely yeah, a much it's like lighter a brighter yellow. yellow. Yeah. And uh, yes, you usually get them in sort of batches of three or four, if you're lucky. Some of them are only in quantities of one. What you'll notice if you buy two, then it may be in a station, for example, we can tell you that Lavian brandy and Lave is a rare commodity, and you can have as much as seven tons of it at all. Once you've got seven tons in your hold, you're not getting any more. So once you've got the seven tons, off your head, 160 light years to somewhere else, and uh, sell it and make a huge profit and hopefully that will be enough to get you into your next ship and then once you've got a cargo hold I think I reckon if you're if you're capable of carrying more than 60 odd tons it's probably time to get onto proper trading because that's definitely where you can make much more profit and it's a lot less work so we're going to move on to community questions and we have quite a few of these we have a uh, some questions from commander mad cow who says he heard us mention about lave radio t-shirts on our recent podcasts are these going on sale he would love to have one oh did we mention t-shirts who, who mentioned t-shirts i don't know it wasn't me i wouldn't mind a lave radio t-shirt yeah so can i have one as well <laughs> So yeah, definitely. We'll we'll definitely find out who mentioned Lave. It might well be possibly products coming up for LaveCon, I don't know. But yeah, we we definitely all would be in for buying some Lave Radio t-shirts too. So that sounds like a good shout. Uh, Mr. Madcow, when are you um, selling them? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> Not giving you permission to create your own Lave Radio t-shirts. <coughs> oh, dearie me. I think the team has some Lave Radio t-shirts that we had for that uh, Inside Gaming event in London. We, we kind of made our own, but they're for us. But... Um, um, it's something that we've we've talked about, you know, amongst ourselves many times. Um, you know, like should we do some Lave Radio T-shirts for LaveCon? I guess the, quite, the the point is that how much interest there was. I mean, we're just a podcast at the end of the day, and and it's great to see that you know we're we're getting more and more listeners than ever. But obviously, if we're going to produce T-shirts, you know, you have to buy them in quantity to to make it worth the while. And so we got to kind of know whether they're going to sell or not. So, you know, if you want a Lave Radio T-shirt, I guess you need to kind of make a noise and stamp your feet, and that'll kind of persuade us to do it. Right, before we go on any further, you swines out there at Lave Station, you swines, how dare you? I just literally jumped to the computer screen. Do you want to see? 
I see trespass warning. With 10 seconds left, they shunted me into the slots and left my teammate sitting there. That could have cost me 2 million credits, you swines. Phew, thank goodness I looked. I just went to the chat to look for questions, you know, being nice. And Zafferg says, urgent message for Cycle Cow. We were playing Shunt the Cow and it's gone horribly wrong. Uh, you might want to check in game and fly back a bit. <clears throat> Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad it's not me in game tonight. <laughs> At least it was 10 seconds. It could have been worse if it was like 3, because really, it took me about 4 seconds to move that blooming um, cow. Sweet! <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to watch you guys. Tell you what, I'm going to get my beam lasers back on my python and come back and visit you next week. Um... Mad Cow also is asking if he would saying that he would like to personalise his ship more, wouldn't we all? I want fuzzy dice uh, or a disco ball. That'd be awesome. Make it more unique to him, and he'd love to be able to design his own decals. Will this be possible? And the answer, really, to that question is everybody is saying that Frontier are well aware that that's something that we'd all love, and I reckon it's just a case of can they make that work? Because once you start creating custom assets it kind of really does increase the amount of data transfer between ships as you know as textures resolve etc um john um mr stabler you you kind of are familiar with this kind of process uh, possibly could you explain the sort of complexities of having a customized decal um well i mean obviously it's gonna need some some bandwidth i mean there's two ways they can do do it i mean what they can do is they can you know um, have the decals as part of an update so everybody just downloads all the decals and i guess it's going to depend on how many decals they have um if it's only you know a few hundred then it's worth just checking them in the game if they're going to allow like every tom dick and harry to create their own then that you know obviously that's not going to be possible in the long term and so they'd need to be transferred over the network. So that could increase the amount of traffic that needs to happen when you join an instance, say. But I don't know what resolution the de decals are, um, you know, and how much space they take up. So um, do you have any idea, what? Crash? Well, I think um, we, we've mentioned this before about a couple of things. How, how the textures are built up in game are procedural, like everything else. So the decals, the paint jobs, and all those kind of things, they tend to be stored as like, vector-based work, which is, I think, really cool. I'm geeking out, I know, but <laughs> so that there wouldn't be too much in bandwidth. I think it's the sheer time and cost of it being created by by hand, really, because it's not something you can just scan a bitmap in and oh, there you go. It has to be built up using the proprietary in-house. Tools that the guys have got there to uh, to make these things up, so it's not an easy transfer mechanism in that respect. But they could build like a kind of SVG tool that converts it to whatever their format is, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd like to see that. Um, but at the same time, I'd like to see planetary landings first, though. So, <laughs> uh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's one. Of the, I think we're all. Everyone would love to have their own personalised decal on the front of their ship, but it's maybe something that they can think about and work in some kind of system where you've got, you know, maybe a step process of you pay for your customised decal and then you you go through a design process where it then gets approved and then maybe there would be every month or so a batch date when it gets introduced to the game and then you can start using it. From that point forward, so that might be the only way that it's possible to do it in a way that works the game, I don't know, we don't know Well Hopefully. the thing is, there's got to be an authorization. otherwise the usual thing happens which is you just see loads of ships with dicks on 
or swastikas or something like that. So, um, you know, there's going to have to be people out there. I think. Pictures, pictures quite creative. Pictures of Karash's <laughs> mum. <laughs> Not that I'm giving anything away at all. Um, <laughs> we'll move on from that point, and we will go on to a question from my favouritest person to email in yet, which is Commander Carhack. Thank you for the compliments. Five pounds is in the post. And he says that like many listeners, he is fascinated by what's in store for planetary landings. He's keen to find out what the team's expectations are, namely, what level of detail would we expect on the planet's surfaces? How much interactivity do we want while our ship is there? And what would you consider a fair price for that update, essentially, with that level of detail? I think we'll go straight to you, John. And that's to John Stabler. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, well, you see, this is the thing, and I, I, David Braybird said this, you know, way back in the Kickstarter, and it was the rationale behind, you know, him releasing, you know, the, the base game and then adding things progressively and through updates, and that is that he doesn't want to roll out planetary landings until, you know, they are, you know, awesome. So, I, I mean, I can't imagine that they're just going to replicate what we saw in Frontier, for example, which was some mountains, a couple of clouds some oceans and then maybe a city if it was populated planet i'm hoping to see a lot more of their use of procedural generation so you know you want to be able to fly through valleys you know between mountains you want to see trees you want to see animals these are just the things that he's mentioned you know and i guess that once they've got the designers on the case they're going to come up with so much more I mean, and the thing is, Frontier have this nasty habit of always surprising me with their new features. When they actually go into the game and you see them for the first time, you go, ah, I wouldn't have done it that way. Or, oh, that's cool, I wouldn't have thought of that. So I'm secretly hoping that when they do have the planetary landings, it's just going to blow us all away in terms of what they actually finally deliver. That's me personally, anyway. You see, I, I think the one thing that always kind of frustrated me about Frontier was you start off and there's like there's one place to land on a planet. And that's just really hard to accept when you've got a massive planet and we're hoping to see lots of um, cities and, and, and things to fly over. Maybe, you know, one of these big massive sci-fi cities with all the floating ships car things flying around and, and ships shooting up to the stations above and you're flying through all the high-rise futuristic buildings you've got to find the spaceport maybe there's a particular uh, airport or yes um, uh, you can land in a field somewhere just so you can go and I don't know, fish for some jaunty bass or whatever but the, the difficulty is going to be how do you make a planet feel realistic in this day and age because the game bar is set very very high and I don't think any of us would accept that a single continent would have one starport there should be more but that brings in all kinds of difficulties will we have very low earning jobs to transport goods from one planetary city to another planetary city because you're not doing much essentially is that the kind of jobs that we can pick up oh no this particular city needs food because it's in famine and then you can travel across the planet's surface doing that kind of stuff that would be awesome and would certainly make the universe feel free but what you're talking about there is a miniature elite game based on a single planet multiplied by 400 billion star systems equals massive headache that procedural generation is the only solution to. Now, 
before he pops <laughs> again, we are going to go to Karash and get your thoughts on planetary landings and the levels of details that you would like to see, sir. <laughs> Other than squee, no, I, I, I've I've been quite vocal on this. This is something I'm looking forward to so much. But I, I remember one of the things that David said early on was the idea that they want to even layer the rollout of the planetary landing. So the first things might see us landing on uh, non-atmospheric bodies like the moon and things like that, where you'd have stations which are sealed domes over your head, like like you'd had in Frontier Elite Two. So we'll be talking a lot procedurally generated rocky scenery and then the odd little uh, area which you can actually trade in because they wouldn't be highly populated but then hopefully eventually when we start moving on to the more interesting planets the gas giants we'll see some of that 3d generated clouds that we saw back early in the kickstarter you know the technology is there it just needs to be used really really keen to see that um, but more so moving on to the to the highly populated planets with atmospheres you know you, you're going to start to see those those vistas like blade runner or something like that things moving moving around the, the cities coming to life that's something i'm really looking forward to i think the key thing for me is how it integrates with the core game and i'd like to see some kind of mechanic similar to the to the interdictions for for atmospheric re-entry i think that can be a really interesting uh, way of joining the two worlds together where you have this this tunnel that you have to navigate down keep keep in the center keep at the right velocity so you don't cause too much uh, turbulence and that kind of thing i think there could be really interesting mechanics just on entering and exiting the atmosphere mm, kind of like marble madness <laughs> yeah yeah keeping it keeping it dead center and at the right speed you know <laughs> but now there, there's so much that can come out of it and you know even before we start landing on the surface it's just things like scooping the atmosphere for samples whilst you're out exploring uh taking low with a with a camera or dropping mines on a uh, bombs on a uh, outpost in the in the middle of nowhere and that kind of thing so many mechanics that can come out of that of that platform even before you touch down on the surface but I, i'm really really keen to see what they do with it i'm so excited there's so many possibilities fantastic uh, colin you've got something to add as well what was you're looking for planetary landings well yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to the planetary landings although uh, this is where i suspect we're going to be able to start fuel scooping from gas giants because one of the things that we also used to do in, in frontier is you used to be able to scoop from a gas giant and that's one thing that you can't do at the moment um, I don't know whether or not that's <laughs> that's uh, in their plans, but it, it always seemed to be in uh, in the in frontier and first encounters. The one thing that I do think though is that when you actually are going from the planet into space, I don't think I'd like to see something like a transition. I would like to actually see it move smoothly, because I think you, we're up against uh, Elite Dangerous will be going up against No Man's Sky for this. Uh, and I think Elite Dangerous will have to pull out something amazing to match No Man's Sky. And a lot of the, the gaming press seems to have, uh, have, a, have a bit of a bee in the bonnet about No Man's Sky. Yeah, and I'd love to see, as you go in, the, the atmosphere breaking and the glow of red as you go through and you get the friction. I'd love that kind of thing, which kind of plays into what the hyperspace jumps currently look like. And you could see, yeah, that is more of an animation, isn't it? But I don't know. I don't, I'd love to see something like that. But I'm more concerned about the planets being alive and feeling alive and not feeling that you have to find this one city on this massive planet. Because obviously we've now got city lights. So technically, 
you should be able to la- land at any city that has a starport. And I think that's what's going to be awesome, is coming into these cities and landing in the starports, or heading off out into the wilds, if you have the right ship, to be able to do a landing. I think, oh, it's just too exciting, there's so many things it could be, please, please, David, David, tell us. Please, tell us and then show us, show us it all. <clears throat> okay, that's my squee, <laughs> squee over with for now. Um, we'll move on to our next question. Now, this question was brought up last week by Gustin Stamatinos, uh, who is also known as Asileus Thorne, who was wondering, he'd put some links last week and we didn't get a chance to really have a look at them, so we had a look today and he's talking about... Is there or should there be passive income streams introduced into the game? And by by that he means ways of making money while you're not playing. So whether that be that you put your sidewinder up for hire by other players or your character turns to prostitution um, and when you log back and you find out that you're in the hospital because you either got beaten up or you've caught some unpleasant disease. Do you guys think, or can you come up with sort of passive income ideas that might actually work, or do you just think, no, don't be daft? Well, it kind of sounds very Eve-like, doesn't it? Because it does. I mean, that's, that sounds like something that happens a lot in Eve, where you've got corporations and you've got the ability to tax other people and things like that. And I think at the moment, Elite is very, very far from that. Um, there's nothing that instantly jumps out of me that you know you could have as as passive, you know, apart from the obvious things like interest on bank account balances, um, you know, um, unless they. I suppose the one easy thing they could implement is if you you know um, discover something and you own it, then you know people could opt to you know pay you for it, you know, for like if you discover like a, a pristine asteroid or something and people would pay you to, to go and mine it but that kind of i don't know it kind of breaks this this kind of open elite world where you know if you see something you can just go and mine it because you know if all of us you, you don't want to be going up to uh, like a, an asteroid and then something pop up saying oh this belongs to you know commander psycho cow do you wish to pay him you know 300 credits i'd be like no you know and you know what happens when you know some of the busier systems you know everything's owned by somebody you know it really does kind of get away from this current uh, philosophy which frontier have which is players should just be able to get out there and do anything yeah i think it's it's one of these things where it might become relevant um when we get to the likes of owning stations if that ever occurs but before i go off on another tangent colin do you have some dad well, yeah, I mean, the one thing that um, I do remember is the good old mining rig that you could set up on uh, a far, far, far distant place in the, uh, oh, there we are, the MB, uh, the MB4 mining machine. Um, thanks, Crash. You could set that up in a, on a planet, a remote planet, and leave it running. Now, the main difference between that, it wouldn't actually generate you money, but it would min- mine minerals. So you'd have to still fly out to it, make sure it's okay, and then bring that back. I think that is about as much as I'd like passive income streams to go. Because even in that case, you still have to make the effort to go out to your mining machine. You have to make sure that it's okay. You never know, some pirate might have come along and nicked half the stuff from it. 
Well, that's true, and I think that's possibly one of the risks of that kind of system anyway, and that would play into the the idea that if you leave anything doing something in Elite and log off, then really, if you come back and it's still there, you should consider yourself very lucky. So I think there's maybe room for some of these kind of things. Um, I'm having it pointed out in chat that uh, Wii U says, Woo Ye says, <laughs> prostitution passive income uh, i suppose the the more the less passive it is the more income you're likely to make um stock options is being suggested owner of a station bar would love that hiring npcs to mine for you that's kind of getting into deep organizations um Yes, we're talking about offline revenue. What else do we see? Passive income from Mr. Tea Time leaves us with this little equation. Passive income equals spreadsheets in space. He's swearing in the chat room using that <laughs> phrase. But yeah, it's quite true. It's one of these things. Is, is this something that's needed? And I don't think at the moment it is needed, but, you know, times will change. And if Frontier are quite happy to change their ideas and their their thoughts on things like steam then anything is possible i think that's the the conclusion we can arrive at is maybe um Asilis thorn then goes on to ask about whether we should appease the masses who are looking for that kind of storyline by introducing a storyline of sorts um it's gone into quite a lot of detail uh sort of like um Skyrim, Elder Scrolls and that kind of thing where you would pick up a mission or basically tiered missions uh, that you would pick up from a station and then follow a sort of storyline. I think it's, uh, it's difficult for procedural generation to come up with that but tiered missions are on their way and the person I think was, we should really sort of dump this one on <laughs> is Mr Virgo Karash. <laughs> Oh, did I guess you can say no? I, I'm I'm really keen to see that as well. The the procedural generation stuff for me. Everyone always thinks about the visual aspect of it, but I'm always thinking about how, how much farther can you push it with things like uh, the audio and the, the like you said, the background story simulation and stuff like that. So I would like to see some more in depth stuff. Hopefully, when we're getting out and walking around inside the stations, we'll start to see characters interacting with us, and they'll have little lines of dialogue which are generated and stuff, and that'll help make the stories seem more interactive. I think the problem at the moment is the text that's generated in galnet is it's a little bit too behind the scenes you know it's too background a lot of people aren't even reading it they're not noticing it um and we need something which is more in the force something more more interactive it drags you into it really makes you think there's there's something going on and if you've got that face-to-face -face interaction with another character even if it's you know by, by a video com link or something like that just pop up and uh, and say something then i think that's really going to help make the story seem more personal and interactive i think that's what's needed yeah, I mean, when you talk about that background simulation being too far in the background, I totally agree with that. And I remember way back in one of the previous episodes, I would be calling for local news, which which is what gives you the ability to have local stories that people do feel that they can have a part in. And maybe PowerPlay will bring in more of that, which would be great. I can see that Ian Bell, who is in the chat, is... Um, it's elite, no storyline, man. That's totally against the grain. So I think we have a potential hashtag flouncer there if they bring in storylines. But we're not talking about an over a huge story arc. I mean, that's what Galnet is for. It does the big storylines. But we're talking about in-system. So, for example, if we do have power play and there is an election, if you are working through a mission chain, let's call them mission chains rather than storylines, because that's a little bit more 
maybe that's a little bit more palatable for Mr. Bell. Um, but you could then have such a way that you're working your way up to an assassination mission to take out the leader of the opposition party, which could then throw that entire system into civil war, essentially. Um, these are lovely mechanics that I think small story chains would make. Uh, and I've just got to explain to Ian Bell what a flouncer is. A flouncer is somebody who flounces. It's kind of like um, somebody spitting their dummy out the pram. It's. I'm not suggesting that you're in a pram, and I'm not suggesting you're a flouncer, but it's just basically what we've come up with this term for people that tend to really get so angry at something that they demand refunds and never log in again and then they come back later on and log back in and kind of backtrack a little bit so that tends to be what flouncing is I'm just identifying that your um, your position of against is extremely strong I think that's a fair way of putting it <laughs> you're welcome Ian um, has anyone got anything else to add on, on that particular question? Yeah, I do. Um, I think the main issue is that I've got no problem with the you know these chained missions, if you like. But what I want to avoid is a kind of wing commander stroke squadron. What's it going to be? Squadron forty two. Um, I want to avoid that. I don't feel that really fits in with the gameplay of Elite. Well, yeah, because uh, the, one of the things about Elite is you're choosing your own adventure. You are blazing your own trail. You are firing off in your own direction. And if everybody... And it's the one thing that I cannot stand, and it puts me right off the likes of World of Warcraft, is if I kill the big demon queen, how the hell can you come in tomorrow and kill the demon queen behind me? This is ridiculous. It totally and utterly frustrates me. We should work in an evolving universe and Elite offers that, and I would hate to see that change. Crash. Yeah, I think I think that's the important thing. Really, is it it needs to be more automatic. Where where it is at the moment, we've we've got these generative missions and things that are cropping up based on the stories. Some of the new stories are based on the the local traffic and all that kind of thing. That's nice, but it definitely needs to become more deep, more involved, more automated. Because there's a lot of hand holding going on. I think with the way that Frontier are building it, that they're, they're playing games master, playing the cards close to their chest, and for good reason. They want to see how it works. They want to see how we react to certain scenarios. I think the community events were a good idea to kind of push that forward make it seem a bit more interactive more involving for a large group and that's something that i think needs to be built on and i'm hoping that paraplay starts to bring some of those things to the fore oh no i can't wait and um so um we're just going to tell check to our 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 in elite frontier spy em crash when when's paraplay coming <laughs> You've not, Soon, you've not nicked that uh, that document yet, then. <laughs> no, that's on my other USB stick. I need to. I need to pop that. <laughs> I, I'd say that now, <laughs> Mr. Ford, you were going to be collecting all the in-game commander names, and you've managed to come up with a massive two. I've I've got a massive uh, five people who are now <laughs> flying around Glaive Station in the open. In the open, right. Well, you do open... Right. At the moment, we've got Commander Mindwipe. We've got Commander Pain. We've got Commander Wu Yi. And we have Commander Bavon de Kilib. We... You, I hate saying half of these things. <laughs> I'm sure they just make him up. And Commander Becca Valentine. Although I don't think they are hanging around. I think they're just about to fly away. 
Yes, they've gone. Right, so that that's who's uh, outside in open at the moment. Okay, well, I have got Commander Zafirk, who is desperately trying to put me back into that blooming station so that I get battered, or to the rear of the station this time. They've been shunting me around Lave Station all night because I've not been watching. And we have Commander Goose out here as well. I can't imagine it's just the two of them, so let's have a look and see if I can find anyone else. If, I've, if we've missed you tonight and you've been around Lay Station, I am terribly, terribly sorry. But it's very tricky to keep an eye on the show notes and watch. Uh, oh no, there is just the two in Fozzie Group. Oh well. Oh, nobody loves me. <laughs> I've got Mori here in open. Yeah, I know. Well, you see, I think it's my fault, to be honest, because I think I did kind of misconstrue by using a word like it's in an open group when... <laughs> What I meant was it's in the open group Fozza, because Fozza's group's open. <laughs> I just totally made an arse of it again. Terribly sorry, everybody, and uh, thank you to anybody that did take the time to come and visit us at Lave. Um, John Stable, do you want to do a rundown of who is in the live chat room? What? All of them? Really? Yeah, get them a shout-out for turning up. Uh. So I get all of the horrible names to try and pronounce. Okay, so <laughs> Achilles Thord, Adam Miller, Alex Ryder, Arkinbaust, Baron de Kalb, Commander Greyblade, Fiverr, Goose4291, oh, he's in game as well, Harbinger, uh, Highlight Shadow, Icefire122, Ineem, oh, there are some people that are leaving now to confuse me with the list, um, Icena, uh, Jintosh, I'm here, uh, Mashed Spud, Metala Kane, Mind Wipes here again, Mr. Tea Time, Nugent, Nylon, Symabiote, uh, Revian, Salazen is also there. Hello, greetings, Salazen. We miss you. Um, hopefully, we're going to be seeing some more RPG stuff soon. Um, SLS, Stoops, Talon Loxley, the Tommy Master, uh, Wu Yi, and Zaffer G. Fantasia Zaffer G, that dirty basher. Um, oh, that didn't come out right. That shunter of my... Nope, that's not any better. Dirty uh, shunter. Dirty shunter's quite good, yeah. We'll leave it with that one. <laughs> <laughs> and Wu Yi was watching my docking skills earlier on and, and recorded them uh, as my name to shame for my amazing docking techniques in the T9. Well... We're almost there at the end, and it's kind of handy that Silizen was in the chat there because we're coming on to his charity stream that he is planning to run on the 18th of April at midday. Now, we'll need to get him on uh, for a wee chat to let us know what he is planning for it, but you can see the details for this. It's all part of the streams that we're doing to raise funds in memory of... Um, <laughs> Terry Pratchett. Um <laughs> who we sadly lost recently and my dog has been doing some streams and raising funds it's been going really well and Dave uh, Selzin is planning on running an event on the 18th of April at midday uh, called The Pilgrimage now you can visit details on this by going to tinyurl forward slash ed pilgrimage and you will need to spell that correctly because I am hopeless at it um, and yes, it gives us some details of it. He'll be making a flight from the Morton Mart system to Pratchett's disc and the memorial world included in the dangers in memory of the famous author Terry Pratchett after his passing on the 12th of March this year. Uh, and it's all again raising money for the fight against Alzheimer's and against dementia. So a very worthy cause. So if you are around on Saturday 
the 18th of April at 12 o'clock British Standard Time. Please visit twitch.tv forward slash in and loosen the strings of your purse and give generously to support a very worthy charity. Um, and I'll be there definitely. Um, I'm not sure if I can help at all <laughs> to in in any way, but I would certainly be more than happy to do so. Alright, on the next section actually, um, John Stable, do you want to talk about LaveCon? I've not got much in there, it's just basic to remind everybody that it's, it's coming up. Yeah, so obviously we're hoping to have some new listeners tonight, and so you might not be aware of the annual Lave Radio event called LaveCon. This year, it's in July. We have a page dedicated to it on the Lave Radio website. That's laveradio.com forward slash lavecon dash 2015. You go there and it'll give you a, like a full rundown of the kind of things we've got planned. We have got stacks of stuff. It's it's bigger and better than last year, if you can believe that. We've got like board gaming, live role playing, jugglers, cosplay. Uh, we've got land like we did last year, but hopefully it'll be bigger and better. Uh, tabletop role play. X Miniatures is going to be there. Way, Colin. And there's going to be uh, readings from all of the elite, well, not all of the elite authors, I'm sure we won't have all of them, but, you know, all of the good ones we'll have there. Um, workshops, uh, we're going to have live audio drama uh, from Chris Jarvis, as usual. Oculus Rift, Q&A, uh, talks with the developers themselves, uh, and various other panels. Special guests, um, and I think we've confirmed that Chaos Reborn's Julian Gollop will be there. So exciting times if you're, you know, a nerd gamer. There's going to be some interesting people there. So, of course, yeah, plenty of elite dangerous stuff. But there's going to be lots of other stuff as well. You know, we, the, I think the general idea with LaveCon is we wanted to kind of expand it a little bit more to encapsulate science fiction and kind of fantasy and basically nerdy stuff so that people could bring, you know, their friends who might not necessarily be into elite dangerous but might be into some of the other stuff. So there's absolutely st- stacked stuff going on. As I said, go and check it out on the website. There's loads more detail there of what's going on. Fantastic, Jonah. Colin just asked a question there. If it was an update on the Uncle Art Kickstarter. Um, if you're not aware of Uncle Art, it is the Kickstarter by Dave Lowe to remake some of his most famous Amiga, Atari ST, Commodore 64, ZX Spectrum game music and record the Elite Frontier theme with a real orchestra. Now, they are planning or hoping to raise £33,000 to achieve this goal, and they are currently a third of the way through with 26 days left. So, if you want to help that project cross the line, then please visit Kickstarter and have a search for Uncle Art, and um, give all you can. If you're into science fiction podcasts, then you might be interested in swinging your pants with Trevor and Simon from going live days way, way back when Philip Schofield had black hair. They have created their own audio podcast that they're planning on making and they're trying to raise funds in order to do so called Strangeness in Space. It also features Sophie Aldred who played Ace in the Doctor Who years with Sylvester McCoy which is either your favouritest Doctor Who ever because you happen to be young enough to appreciate him or it was the most annoying Doctor Who ever. I won't say what camp I'm in. And they are looking to raise 15000 pounds to start their podcast off and they are 
tantalizingly close there within four thousand pounds of reaching that goal which is awesome so if you fancy that do search for strangeness in space on kickstarter uh, now we're going to go over to mr ford who is going to go through some of our latest warm and fuzzy itunes reviews well, um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll quickly go through all the all the good ones. <laughs> so from the from the German site, uh, iTunes, we now have uh, three extra uh, reviews, all five stars. <laughs> missing. So thank you, missing piece, Matthew De Benson and uh, Sukya. <laughs> Sorry, or, did you say yeah, that? Exactly. I'm not repeating that just in case it's a it's a good one. I think you'll find um, that's pronounced Sukio. Sukio then. <laughs> no, oh no, I prefer no. the way Colin said it. <laughs> okay. uh, well, suck you. And too. from the American ones, we've got um, Beastar 76 and Commander DP Jones, all giving us uh, five stars. Oh, and Dying Jester. Uh, and then we actually, I'm afraid to say, have our first two star review. Boo. Yes. Someone complaining that. We'll broadcast live, but never tell you when. Uh, I'm sorry, but um, I thought we always told you when. Yeah, well, obviously they've not been looking in the right place. So, for that particular negative reviewer, every Tuesday night, between half past eight and 10.30pm, Greenwich Mean Time, or British Standard Time. British Summertime now. Summertime? Yep, we're British Summertime now. So it's summer, not standard? I'm a Muppet, aren't I? Never mind. Never mind. Yes. <laughs> That's not a revelation to any of you, if it's only a revelation to myself. Well, <laughs> I think we have now reached the end of the show, and Foz will be great because I'm only five minutes over. <laughs> That's that's a positive, because normally it's, what, a half an hour we're way over. Um, <laughs> so all it remains for me to do is to thank my fellow crew members for joining me tonight. Thank you, John, John, and Colin. Uh, wait till we get another John in this cockpit. It's going to be fantastic. Thank you to John, 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 John. Um, thank you, guys. You've really helped tonight and helped me stay on the straight and narrow. Maybe we will not get letters of complaints this week. Oh, we will. <laughs> well, thank you very much, guys. And thank you to everyone who turned up in TeamSpeak. So that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you would like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at Lave Radio at Facebook forward slash Lave Radio at Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join the Skype channel chat by adding Fozzle 101 to your Skype contacts, or you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat. That's with the voices at laveradio.teamspeak3. Dot com. Thanks to those commanders that joined us outside Lave Station. You are awesome, apart from the two of you who were in the Fozzy group deciding to ram me to certain doom and death. I will get you back. Also, for all those code people out there, we will find you, we will hunt you down, and we will destroy... Well, John Stabler will destroy you. <laughs> I'll probably just cower inside a capital ship somewhere. <laughs> Until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that... You're <laughs> probably me. Fly dangerous. Is your life like this? It's like I'm having an orange insert. Ah, <laughs> uh, this.